Hey folks, it's Marvin Cash, the host of The Articulate Fly, and we're back with another Casting Angles with Mac Brown. How you doing, Mac? We're doing great. How are you doing, Marvin? As always, just trying to stay out of trouble, and I guess uh, tomorrow you will be a year older and a little bit wiser, right? Well, we hope the wiser part. <laughs> It would be good, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would be good. So, folks, if you see Mac this week, you need to wish him a happy birthday. It's a big one. Oh, it is a big one, Marvin. Another year around the sun. Yeah, there you go. And so uh, I know you were out uh, the Thanksgiving weekend on the water. What, were you, what did you see? We're still seeing a lot of blue wings and a lot of midge hatches, pretty regular. The, um, after that rainfall we had last week, a Tuesday, we got about a half inch of rain. And the the wild streams didn't really come up at all. I mean, there wasn't much increase in water flow, but they stayed clear. And that's where we saw most of the midge activity in blue wings. Out on the tuck, it turned muddy for, oh, two two or three days. Only a half inch of rain, and it got it muddied up pretty good. And so out there, I didn't really see a lot of hatches, you know, after after it turned muddy. But it's it's back where you'll see blue wings and midges out there as well. But those are still really good, really good things to throw, like downsize, go really small, you know, fish fish small things. Because I think the biggest mistake we see out there is a lot of people trying to throw, you know, big patterns they throw in the springtime this time of year, and that's catastrophic on the activity, you know. They're not looking for big things this time of year. Yeah, because I guess in, in general, right, you know, as there are progressive hatches throughout the spring and the summer into the fall – the bugs keep getting smaller and smaller and smaller, right? So, you know, if That's you're, right. yeah, so if you're going to do big stuff, I mean, when I think the only kind of big nymphs I generally fish in the wintertime are stoneflies because they basically take more than a year to mature to be ready to hatch. Yeah, that's that would be a good choice. That and then there's some good larva stages for like Rocky Centris caddis or you know that would that's good all winter long because they're they're available. They go through the series of instars and get a little bigger. Right now they're about a half inch on the wild streams. What we're seeing in size, anywhere from a half inch to five eighths, I'd say. That's a really good cold weather pattern as well. Like on a fourteen, you know, hook fishing. They um, we call it the chimney caddis or brachycentris caddis is what it is. But but yeah, that's a good pattern too, along with your stones. Yeah, and is that what they call stick bait in East Tennessee in the park? No, that would be your limnophilidae caddis, where it actually builds its home and it has a series of sticks that are about two inches to two and a half inches long. And inside, there's a there's a worm. It's pretty long. It's like three quarters of an inch, kind of clear, clear translucent body with a black head. That's the, that's what they mean by stick bait. It's about the size of a tequila worm. When you think about it, it's kind of like what you'd see in a bottle of mezcal. Yeah, it's kind of weird though because you're fishing and you like you're seeing this like cluster of sticks move, and you're like, "What's that?" And then you realize that it's a uh, it's a caddis. That's right. Yeah, those those will also be preyed on when it's hard in the winter. Like you can watch larger brown trout go over there and and actually go after them. What they'll do is they'll rub against those sticks until it exposes. I mean, they'll break it up, and then they see the see the worm. And uh, red horse will do that as well. There's a lot of red horse in the rivers here. And you'll see the red horse go over there when, when times are, are slim, and that's what they know. They know it's there. And that's kind of neat. You can see tailing red horse doing that in the wintertime. 
Yeah, and I know too, we were talking before we started recording that you've got kind of a, a favorite type of water to fish this time of year. You want to share that with folks? Well, yeah, one of my favorite things is when I have a day off is to go to the impoundments. And a lot of them I can get to by road or hike in. And a lot of them I use a boat, or like a drift boat or a, you know, a motorboat, either one. But the bottom, the bottom quarter to half mile section of of all these creeks and rivers that feed into the into the lakes are, are excellent this time of year, and they'll stay that way up up until February. So that's kind of like one of the the hidden gems, I think, in this part of the country to to really focus on, and which means get off the beaten path, not a DH, you know, not a favorite popularized stream that you hear about either. Just look at a topo and find the you know watersheds that are big enough to justify going it and exploring it. Because those are those are rarely disappointing this time of year. The size, the quality of the fish, that's that's kind of why we like doing it. The quality of the fish that are in there are coming up out of the lake. They're a lot better size, average size, than what you'll see on that on that stream typically. Because you know, the fish that are coming up out of Fontana or Chioa or Calderwood or Tennessee Reservoir, Nanahala Lake, Wolf Lake, those are all, I mean, they're gonna be quality fish. They're not gonna be like your average you know, Appalachian fish size in a little small stream. I mean, these lake fish are quite a bit bigger. Yeah, because they basically get to eat all those forage fish. It's kind of like, you know, fishing on the Watauga or the South Holston and getting down close to the lake, right? Mm-hmm. Similar, similar there. I'm sure that's good right now, too, fishing down towards Boone Lake. You know, because you get a lot of stuff that comes out of Boone Lake going up, and that's a, not a lot of places capitalize on that even over there. They're still fishing, you know, up by the weir. Uh, big string fishing way up on the upper section. But yeah, I'm going to go over there and fish that with a friend next week that lives there on Boone Lake. And we went to high school together and he, he lives right there on the lake. So we, we can run up the run up the lower end of it a pretty good ways. And there's some nice trout that come up out of, out of Boone Lake to that same, you know, into the, into the Holston. And a lot of them will go up a mile or two, some of them much further. But that's a really good place to target yeah, good for striped bass too. Mm-hmm. There'll be a lot of those. Yeah, for sure. But the, the sizes of things, that, like what we're seeing as far as just like on a wild strand that, that we've been going to, that's what I've been on more than anything, is is there's some good pattern ideas for folks. It's like bring back like the old school brassy, like in 24s, 22s, the blood midge, the – the stripper midge, like Lake Boyd developed there on the Holston, that's a great pattern. Um, those are probably my three favorite, you know, for, for emergers and things. Bar emerge is another one that I'll use some in really small sizes. The same is like John Barr out in Colorado developed. Uh, that's a great pattern. The um, Then the other one would be like CDC representations for like the dries. Like the, the blue wings are incredibly small. I know people are thinking, well, I'll get away and throw an 18 parachute. I'll give you an example. The blue wings, if you look at them in size, they're about a size 26 right now. So an 18 is like a Titanic on the water. So it's a lot easier to tie these dry flies just using a thread body, caught daily on tail, split it, and just put a puff of CDC in the front and be done with it. That's the way you tie like really small dry flies, a whole lot simpler. It's fast and you know efficient, and then frogs fanning it up and you can see it a long time and you don't have to redo it until you catch something on it. So that's, that's my favorite small, like 
dry to throw this time of year. Yeah, got it. And, you know, we mentioned folks last time that we were going to let you guys know about some classes we were doing. And uh, I'm working with Mac. We're going to put out a three-part online casting series with one class in January, one in February, one in March. And the goal of that is to basically kind of cut through a lot of the myths that people have about casting to kind of give you um, a new foundation and a way to basically systematically get better and kind of check yourself. But then also the last session will actually talk about, you know, situations you find yourself on the water and, and how to cast in those situations most effectively. So the goal really is, you know, Mac, you and I talked about it. We wanted to do something to help people uh, get better faster and be less frustrated on the water, right? Yeah, that, that's a big part of what we're going to try to shoot for. And just when I got into this game out of college in my early 20s, it became evident real quick, it, like big, even big casting clubs that have been in existence for 100, 150 years, that what people practice is what they will become. So if they go to the park for 30 years and they're still working on just throwing loops and hitting a target straight away, that's one way of looking at it, but that's not going to help immensely in fishing on current. And so what we're going to address is, you know, the different planes that we cast in plus the different advanced control that we can do to develop, which means there has to be a practice regiment. And so the situation I described at first, the practice regiment was incorrect, in my opinion, because they get good at that one thing, but it brings no game to the table. And, you know, that wouldn't be fun sitting in a boat having to watch somebody and that's all they could do because there's going to be a lot of fish we can't catch until they learn those things. And that's why I think it's easier to just spread the spread the gospel and talk about practice structured regimen of where are we trying to get to. And if we don't know where, where we're trying to get to, then the people are still, you know, that's what happens. They still spin their wheels decades later thinking that they're doing what they should be doing, but they're still missing out. And so I think that's the exciting thing about being able to have that, have those three classes in the winter. Yeah. And so folks, you know, they're online and the great thing is they're, they'll be live. And if you're available for the live session, you'll have the ability to ask Matt questions, but you know, if you can't make one, don't worry about it because they're going to be recorded and we're going to make them available for folks for at least a year after the class date. And if you go to the Articulate Flies Instagram uh, profile, you can find the link in my link tree, um, you know, and I'll drop it in the show notes. And I think Max probably got it in his Instagram profile as well. But the great thing is for a few more days, there's a lingering Black Friday special. And if you use the coupon code CASTING10, and that's all capitalized, um, whether you buy one, two, or preferably all three of the classes, you'll get 10% off. So, uh, you should check that out. We're really looking forward to doing that. Um, I've done some, uh, online stream classes before, and it's been a lot of fun, a lot of success, particularly for people that, you know, don't live close, uh, to a show or it's hard to get to Bryson city to personally spend time with Mac. This is about the next best thing. So, uh, be on the lookout for that. If you have any questions, uh, email me or, or DM me on social media, happy to answer them. And, uh, Mac, what else have you got going on heading into the holiday season? If to one, I guess, let folks know what you got going on. I know you've got a bunch of new show stuff, but, uh, I imagine you might have a school or a talk or, you know, you might take some people down the the river as well. Right. Yeah. We're still doing some, some, uh, trips around town, like in Bryson and some of the wild streams near, near Bryson. And the big thing really is, well, yesterday it was kind of 
it rained all day here and it was a good day to get tickets for all the winter shows coming up. So I bought plane tickets yesterday for about four hours. And so that was exciting. <laughs> Shopping all the different airports. I'm kind of like stuck in, you know, I can go out of one of four airports and they're all about the same distance. So that's always exciting to look at all four for figuring out where we're going to go to. But the latest one, I guess, I don't, can't remember if we said it. Maybe we did, but going to Michigan, which I'm excited about getting up there to, to Detroit. And um, Phil Phil Rowley and Michael Murray and, and Alice Owsley will be there. So when he told me that, I'm like, yeah, I got to do that because I've been wanting to get up to Michigan for a while. And that's going to be a fun, fun event. And that'll be March um, 9th and 10th, I believe, the weekend. On top of the other ones for the fly fishing show. Edison, well, let's see, Denver, Colorado, Edison, New Jersey, Atlanta, Georgia, and Pleasanton, California. So we're looking forward to those as well. Yeah, and if you go to the events page on the Articula Fly website, you'll find links for all of those events there. And, uh, you know, folks, uh, even though it's getting a little chillier, it's a great time to get out on the water. And, and if you see uh, Mac Brown, you have to wish him happy birthday. Happy early birthday, Mac. Thanks, Marvin. Hope everybody has a good holiday season. Yeah, tight lines, everybody. Tight lines, Marvin. <laughs>